Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Stan Bowman joins us once again to dive into where the Blackhawks stand nearly two months into the season. We get his insight on some of the moves that have already been made this year and what's next for this team as they look to return to the postseason after a two-year absence. Stan joining us before Tuesday's game against the Dallas Stars. Plenty of insight for him coming up on this week's episode. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. We are pleased to be joined by none other than Stan Bowman, Senior Vice President and General Manager and uh, Stan, you've quickly taken the title of most frequent guest on Blackhawks Insider. So congratulations. I know that's a big accolade in your career, uh, and we're happy that you're here. I love being here. So thanks for having me on. We had you on in the summer. We had you on just before the season started. Uh, we're just past, I think, the quarter pole in the season, almost two months in. We wanted to check in and kind of get your pulse on where this team is. It's been an interesting two months, the month of October, uh, not as exciting as the month of November. This team seemingly starting to turn a corner, find its groove, find its rhythm. I just want to get your assessment of how these first two months uh, have gone. Well, Carter, it's been a little bit of up and down. I think we started the year in Europe and had high hopes for that. And we only play one game over there and we, we didn't win, but we're coming home for the long home stand. And once again, you have high hopes that you're going to turn it around. And uh, we played some decent hockey right coming back from Europe. Uh, didn't get the results, really. We were sort of a middling team in, in those home games. Uh, I thought, you know, you could see that some progress was happening, but it wasn't translating into victories. And, you know, that happens sometimes. So we're you're staying patient with it. And then after that, we had a little bit of a dip, and we had a few games in there where we just didn't play well at all. And I think uh, that was concerning to our our group. And, you know, you're coming off uh, the first stretch of the season when you're playing pretty well and you don't always get the victory, but you like the way your team's progressing. And then you have a couple efforts where you're disappointed in how your team played. Uh, so I think at that point, we, we made a few adjustments, and we've talked a lot about it. And it seemed to really propel our team. So we, we started scoring a lot of goals, we got some confidence, we won some big games. Um, the one constant throughout the year has been our goaltending. It's been excellent, um, really, whether it's Crawford or Leonard. Uh, I think they've given us a chance every night of the season. And, um, you know, we've seen our offense pick up. I think, you know, the special teams, uh, a little bit of a mixed bag there as well. I think our penalty kill has really been coming on. I think the, the stats show that, but not only just the numbers, I think the way that our team seems to have some confidence now, if you do take a penalty, we're not uh, tentative or on our heels. Uh, I think the power play is the one area where we we had a little stretch maybe where we got some success in a few games, but it overall hasn't been good enough. And 
Uh, that's probably the one missing link. We've we've had a lot of close games, so we're sitting here, uh, you know, like I said, twenty some odd games into the season, and uh, there really have been, for the most part, uh, every game has been within really one or two goals, uh, taking out empty netters. So, you know, I think if we can get our power play to be more successful, we could probably turn some of those uh, overtime losses into victories, and some of those games we could at least get to overtime. So. Um, the recent performances have been better. I, th- I think uh, when your team is scoring goals, certainly it, it's more fun for our guys to play. It's, it's fun to watch. I think it builds a little bit of momentum for your team. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, you know, we certainly have been a good offensive team going back to last year. In a lot of ways, that's our identity as a team. Um, but we did want to try to focus on being better at preventing goals. And I think our goalies have done a, a great job at that. Uh, so, you know, here we are in a, in a dogfight. You know, every game is important. And, um, you know, that's, I guess, my quick summary of the, the first 20-some-odd games. You mentioned the, the tweak and kind of the system or how things are playing has sparked the offense. And, Chris, we've talked about it several episodes um, now about – What's different about that? But as a as a general manager, as you're going through those opening weeks, what's that conversation like in terms of deciding when to maybe tweak how things are going? How did that necessarily come about uh, just from an entire hockey operations standpoint? Well, Jeremy and I talk all the time. It's not just a matter of uh, after a certain number of games, I think. Uh, and I, you know, I'm involved with the the coaches on a daily basis. And my job isn't to really coach the team that we've got a great group that that's what they're specialized in and uh, sometimes I can just give ob- general observations and <clears throat> at that point then you know ask them questions and try to see what they come up with like we weren't scoring a lot and I think that was a problem for our team so the question is how can we be more effective in that way and um, <clears throat> I think sometimes a little bit too much is made out of the systemic changes like we we made some big change or tweak I think really the biggest thing is we found some uh, – we stopped playing so much where we were thinking. And when when you have a new season and you practice a lot in training camp and um, you maybe get caught, everyone does, trying to think too much out there. And whenever that happens, you lose a little bit of the rhythm and flow of the game. You're trying to do the right thing, and you're as a player, you want to you wanna be strong, you want to be in the right position. But – um, in the process of doing that, you take away from what we were good at. So I think more than anything, you could say we made an adjustment to our system, and we did. It was pretty small and minor. I think more so it was a mindset adjustment to our guys where we got back to being uh, a little bit more uh, free-flowing, a little bit less thinking, and more uh, playing on instinct. And I think we had actually built up some good habits defensively in those first couple weeks, even though it didn't show up necessarily in the the team's record we were doing some better things we were playing well we had some of those home games where we deserved a better fate and uh so in the process there we were instilling some new habits and they were becoming more second nature and then once we got to the end of october and just turning into november i think we just played a little bit more on instinct, less thinking, and now I think that's where we're at. So I, I, the last couple of games we've played, uh, you know, we haven't won them, but uh, you know, we played much better in Dallas, and we, we certainly was one of our strongest games of the year. And you can see that 
we didn't score a lot, but we had a lot of opportunities to score. We ran into a really good goalie that night and a couple goals called back. And that, that stuff happens over the course of the year. Uh, I think if we keep doing that the way that we played last game, we're going to win a lot of games. Stan, can you take me back to late June or mid-June? You're, you're, you're figuring out your wish list for free agency, right? You've got guys, I'm sure you've got lists upon lists, and you've talked to your staff, and you've scouted guys, and you've done all this research. Is, is Robin Leonard even a, a guy? How much is, first off, is backup goalie a priority? And is Robin Leonard even mentioned in the equation considering he's with the Islanders and looks like he's going to re-sign there? And if he's not, how did that all come to fruition? And, and the follow-up there will be, has it worked out even better than you thought it might? Well, we, we look at all positions when we're heading into free agency. So we have our meetings and we talk about defensemen, forwards, and goalies. And there was no question that Robin was the top goalie on the free agent list. And we did talk about him. Uh, but honestly, we didn't spend a lot of time on it because we assumed that he's not going to be available. Because part of the the process is you look at the players that are going to be free agents and as is the case with all of them, there's a chance that they're going to re-sign with their current team. As you're getting closer to July 1st, the team that they're with has the exclusive negotiating rights. So, you know, and a lot of times the list you look at in May, it's a shorter list when you get to July 1 because players have re-signed with their current teams. And that's the way we expected it to go with Robin. So we did have discussions and it was apparent that he was the best of the group. Um, but we, we made the assumption that he's going to be back there. So we moved on to other things. Um, uh, and then, you know, you're getting closer and closer to July 1st and he hasn't resigned. And then, you know, you're, you're checking in and you're realizing that other goalies are being reported to have gone in the interview period, talking to New York. So at that point, you know, it was late in the process. I reached out to the agent and just said, we have a lot of interest. Where are you guys at? Uh, you know, we only have a one-year contract to offer, and I know Robin had a great season, and I'm sure you're looking for a longer-term deal. If you'd be open to, to talking about one year, this is the situation we have. And to my surprise, he said, you know, we, we might be interested in that. You know, we're, your team intrigues us for a couple of reasons, and, uh, you know, Robin hasn't made his mind up. He's, he's willing to look at some th things. And then it went pretty quickly from there. So... Um, I, I can't say we were expecting him to be available and to be interested in signing a one-year deal. But as we started talking to his agent, Craig Oster, and then Robin himself, I had a couple conversations with him you know, leading into the uh, July 1st. Uh, it really went well. It just felt, I think it felt good on both sides. And I, I'm not speaking for him, but I think he said from the first time we had a conversation that, uh, Jeremy got involved. Jeremy spoke to him, and we talked about our plan for the season, and it just worked well. So I think uh, looking at looking back on it now, um, it certainly has gone even better than we thought. I mean, he's sitting here today with his performances, uh, giving us great efforts every night, and um, we wouldn't be where we are without as well as he's played. And, of course, the dynamic between him and Corey has to work as well, too. Was that a, uh, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, we can go out and sign the best goalie available, but we've already got a number one here. Do you weigh what's going to happen there and, and the, the two personalities? Corey's had a great relationship going back to whether it was Ray Emery or Ranta or Darling. So I think I knew from Corey's perspective there wouldn't be an issue. He, he's not really a, a tough guy to get along with. I think he's uh, 
he's had a great rapport with whoever we had in as the backup. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't know Robin that well, but you know what you've heard about him and you know, you ask around and he's a very popular guy. He's well liked. So you don't know until he gets in the locker room, but I wasn't really concerned. I thought that they would get along well and it's proven to be the case. When we talk about the division of starts though, right? Everybody wants to play 60, 65 games, but now you've got two number ones who can't do that. Well, but we were honest with Robin about that up front. We told him we, we don't have a number of games that we can promise or guarantee, and uh, but I can promise that we want to win. And he said, you know, last year it was the same way, and we, we did a lot of rotating, and he said, I've done it before. I just came off a season where I think I played some of my best hockey, and it was, uh, it was a lot of back and forth. So uh, he wasn't – I think what he asked for is I just want an opportunity if I'm – if I'm playing, I want to get a fair chance to play and help the team win. And I said, well, we want the same thing. And Jeremy looked at it the same way. I'd rather have two goalies that we think both of them can win every single night. And I think the reason that we are where we are is largely due to the goalies. I think if not, you know, there were some games in there where we, we played poorly as a team, but our goalies were able to get us through some of those games and remain competitive and it allowed us to get some momentum as a team uh so you have to give what you're looking for as a team is you hope your goalie gives you a chance every night you want to give your team a chance to to be in the game and then it's up to your your skaters to be able to you know push it over and make a difference and win the game Um, and our goalies have done that every game they've been rock solid for us you took a bit of a chance with uh laner uh, and then Nylander, too. He was a guy that comes from Buffalo. Uh, how have you have you been impressed with the way he's been this year? I think a lot of fans have been. I certainly have been. But a guy that comes from Buffalo, some question marks around him, too. And he comes here with a fresh start, and it seems to really be working for him. Yeah, Adam, if you look at Alex's you know, background as a player, he's a very skilled player. I think there's never been a question about his talent. He's got in tremendous hands. Uh, creativity, vision, skating, size. Uh, I think the the consistency was always the problem as a young player. He would show flashes of it. Um, and we've even st- still seen some of that ourselves. Uh, but I think the part that gives you the most excitement and encouragement has been his response to uh, doing what the coaches want him to do. His, you know, his effort, his two-way game is further along than I think I expected yeah. it to be. Um and, you know, he missed a game early in the season. And when he came back, he was playing on a lower line as a third or fourth line player. It was that it was that Edmonton game where I remember um, he ended up scoring the winning goal yeah. that night. And he stole the puck from McDavid in the neutral zone. And, you know, and earlier in that game, he had, a, he had a turnover where he didn't make a good decision in the second period. And they almost scored. Uh, they actually scored a goal that was waved off. Um, but I give Jeremy credit for putting him back out there and boy, he responded. He, his effort going both ways, he's actually really become a good back checker and uh, his skating. Uh, so he brings he brings some energy to his game. I think it's finding the consistent offensive production. That hasn't happened for him yet. He's scored in spurts. Um, but he's, you know, he's playing with Jonathan and Saad. So they've, you know, there's three guys that have a lot of power and uh, good skill, size. Uh, so I think the biggest thing about Alex is progression so far has been uh his response to feedback from the coaches and uh you know we need him we need him to take a step we need him to become um an everyday player and i think he's shown that he can be an nhl player and now 
can you translate that into making an impact? So you go through stages as a player. You're just trying to stay in the league. Yep. And then once you're in the league, then you want to kind of make a difference every game. Um, so he's still working that out as a young player. Um, but all of the, I guess, criticism that he's had before he got here, we haven't seen any of that. You know, his effort and his his desire to, to play a two-way game, you know, he's been engaged and uh, he's been very good. What is the, Chris touched on kind of your thought process in June and bringing in Robin Leonard and, and going through that. Also in June, you're sitting there at the draft and... I think in our conversations, immediately after taking Kirby Doc, you mentioned he's probably the most NHL-ready player that we had on the board. Um, and I think we're seeing that. You know, 19 games into the season, five goals, um, five assists. I'm sorry, 17 games, but five goals, five assists, a five-game point streak uh, that he had that ended last week. What have you thought about him and just his ability to step in at this level? Did you think this was possible in, in June when you took him? We did think it was possible. Um, I, I didn't know how it would happen, so I wasn't trying to make any predictions. I remember at the time I said we're going to give him every chance to make our team, and now it's going to be up to him to show us. It was a bit of a different start because he was injured, you know, coming out of Traverse City, and he missed all that time. So uh, that made it even probably more difficult for him. He was practicing, but um, he didn't get any exhibition games, so we just jumped him right in. He, he did have a couple games in Rockford, uh, but essentially – jumped into the NHL with very little uh, preparation and game action. And uh, he's looked like the player we thought he would be. And, uh, you know, there's so much more to his game, I think, when we look back on this, where he is today and where he'll be in 18 months. I think it's going to be, you know, a, a nice progression. And he's taken some strides already. Um, you can see the talent and the skill. Uh, you know, I think it's just... It's a it's a man's league. It's tough to play, and I think the thing I like about Kirby is uh, he doesn't have any uh, intimidation at all. Uh, he's a big kid. Uh, he goes in the corners. Um, he's willing to battle for the puck. He's he's pretty good at coming out of the pile with the puck, and I think uh, part of that is his quick hands and his long reach. He uses that long reach to an advantage, and you know even when he doesn't when he takes the puck by a defenseman and, and they get contact, he doesn't, he's got a really neat ability to um, maintain possession of the puck or create a scrum so that he doesn't just get the puck taken away and off they go the other way. He can at least keep the puck in the area and allow help to come and, and try to, you know, create some offensive zone time out of it. And I think that's something that the good players can do. And, you know, some of the players that struggle is they'll come in, they'll try to beat a defenseman, and they'll get the puck taken away, and off you go the other way. Kirby's pretty good at uh, staying in the battle. And, uh, you know, a lot's been said about he, he takes a lot of hits, and he does. Um, but I think part of that is just uh, the willingness to battle. He, he's not he's taken some big hits, and it doesn't seem to phase him. He just keeps going. So but, did Taves. Yeah. Coming in the league, too. Taves took a beating early on. Right. I think those players that you're looking the bigger guys like that, you know, the smaller players, you know, Kaner never gets hit, and he's really elusive, and he's quick, and he can read pressure and spin off. And the bigger guys don't do that, um, and they don't really have to do it because they can win the battles. And I think the, the part I like about Kirby is he is willing to take it to the net. We've even seen that. He hasn't had a lot of power play time, but he's had a few of those 
plays off the goal line where he just takes the puck right to the net. And I think um, you're, you're hoping for some of your forwards to have that skill set and that mindset to get the puck to the net. Um, he can make a lot of plays. He's got really quick hands. Uh, like I said, he's got that reach where he can put the puck between your stick and, and get it. Uh, but he also just takes it to the net. So um, I think his speed has been noticeable as well. He's A lot of the bigger players, they don't look like they're going that fast because uh, they don't have really fast feet. They've got the longer strides. But before you know it, they build up a lot of speed and they can actually surprise you. We've seen that a few times with Kirby where he just goes past defensemen where it doesn't look like he's even skating that fast, but he pulls away from guys. So I think his skating looks good and... Now it's just a matter of um, getting used to the league. And I think, you know, Adam can talk about it. When you're first coming into the league, every building is new. Every city's new. The opponents are new. You don't know the players. You've watched them on TV. But I, I just think he's going to be more comfortable when we get your, kind of your first go-through of the league. And you're more comfortable later. And it sounds like a silly thing, but every city you're going to is a new city. And when you get to the second half, you've played in these buildings before, and I think it just helps with your comfort level. To piggyback quick on Carter's prediction question, you know, you've won three Stanley Cups now. You win in 2010, and then in 13, you can probably kind of look at a team or in 15 and say, this team's pretty darn good here. Do you make, at the start of the season, and you're in June in the draft, and then you get to training camp here, do you kind of look at your roster and say, this is a Stanley Cup championship team, this is how many wins we think we're going to get? Do you guys make predictions like that, or, or are you able to kind of look at a team and say, oh, man, this team's good? Well, I think it was easier to do that years ago. I think there was a little bit more separation, certainly with the team in, in 13 and 15. I think those teams, uh, we had more established players that had been here, and the nucleus of our team wasn't changing year to year. We had some new players, but they were usually sort of peripheral players. Yeah. We didn't have to bring in many um, you know, guys that were going to play big roles, guys that were going to play in your top four and your top two lines. They, they had been with us for years. Yeah. So I think you had a pretty good feeling in those years. And I think you know to start the year, you, you knew that your team probably had a leg up on others. I think nowadays, <clears throat> even the teams that are – playing well if you look at the standings you you probably wouldn't have predicted it it was some yeah. of certainly with some of them so and I think if they were honest they would say after 25 games I don't think we'll be the top team in the west uh, but you know they are and I think there's a lot more variability now than there was before because uh, teams change so much year to year so and there's the teams are so much closer than they were so when we started camp you know our goal was to be a competitive team to be improving as a year went on we have some young players we have a lot of young players in our lineup and when I say young people talk about Kirby or, or Nylander but you know even Debrinket and Strom and you know David Camp and Kubalik those guys are all less than three years yeah. in the league they've played no years or one or two years uh, so their their performance is going to improve as we go along though all I just named six uh, the uh, forwards there they should be better players in February yep. than they are today. Uh, so when you have that type of growth from within, um, you're expecting your team to be better in the second half than in the first. But you've got to you've got to find a way to be good enough to keep yourself. And you know, I think we're going to see a lot of growth from our team. The teams we had earlier, they really weren't improving a lot. They they were starting off at a really high level and maintaining it. 
So I think we've got the young players, and hopefully they're going to find some confidence and expand their game as they get acclimated to the NHL. So we, 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 we need that. We need growth because we're not where we need to be today. But we're competitive, and we've, we've got to have those guys take steps forward. Yeah, I didn't feel – for me, I don't think I felt really comfortable until my third year when you kind of feel like, all right, I, I'm okay in this league now. Right. And I think that's why a guy like Dabrinkit, he keeps getting better because he's probably just getting there maybe now. Same with Strom. <laughs> Uh, camp probably too. I think it, and, and they, you would know better than me, Stan. But defensemen usually take longer, but forwards, I think three years, like you said, is kind of all right. I've played in every building now. Yep. Because it is different when you go into it. It looks different. Mm-hmm. That's the way the stands are, the way the lights are, the noise. It it, it is weird. It, it's different. Um, but is that is that true, defensemen? You think? T- I think they do too. And then for forwards, man, I think it is. You know, your first year. I still remember when you said, "Hey, you can find a place to live here." You made the team. That was my second year pro. You know, so I got to get through that year and try not to get sent down. And then the third year, about halfway through, all right, now uh, I'm here. I'm here, and I can now I can focus on maybe impacting the game more yeah, right, as opposed exactly. to just trying not screwing to screwing up. Right, and that's where we've got those guys that are. Some of them aren't at that point yet. They're like in Kirby's case, we told him in Nashville that day he's staying for the year. So I'm sure that was a relief, but it's still okay. I, I've got a lot of, like, yeah. I'm glad I'm going to be here, but now how do I get better? And I want to play more. I want to play every night. I want to play more minutes. So, and I think as a, a player who's been here for one, two, three years, there's always that in the in the mix. And we're, we're hoping that we have more out of them as we go into the second half of the season. So, you know, like I said, we have to be better. We have to find ways for our team to improve. And a lot of it's going to come from those young players uh, being able to feel comfortable in the league, but impacting the yeah. game more on a consistent basis. You mentioned that conversation in Nashville where you sat down with Kirby and kind of told him he was there. We've heard kind of his side of it of, yeah, you know, it's really exciting, but, you know, Kirby Doc's calm, cool, and collected, and he's not going to let it slide. As a general manager, how much do you enjoy those conversations, getting to tell someone, hey, this you're ready, you're here, something that he's been fighting for for three, four months ever since he heard his name called in Vancouver. And, and what was that conversation like? Yeah, just you just take us that? in that moment. And just so people know, too, that are listening, it, for me it happened. He Stan called me out of the locker room. We went in the tunnel right by <laughs> right. the bench, <laughs> yep. right outside the bench, and, and it's a cool moment for me. And, and he says, hey, just want to let you know you can find a place to live. Now that's kind of the, the, what, they, what you guys say, and that right. means you made the team, right? You can go find an apartment. You're not in a hotel. <laughs> you made it. And it's always different places. It could be on a plane. What, what, did hap- what happened with Kirby? But you yeah. went on lunch, right? You didn't get lunch, Burr? <laughs> I went to lunch later. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I could afford my own lunch now. <laughs> yeah, we were in Nashville. It was uh, right after the morning skate, and it was in the hotel. Uh, before he sat down for lunch, we just grabbed the, the room adjacent yeah. to the meal room and put a couple chairs down they had just cleared out from the previous banquet area and it was an empty room jeremy and i sat down and you know so kirby walks in and i think you're not sure as a yeah. player are they telling me i'm going back or are they telling me i'm staying <laughs> so he had a little of that uh, hesitation Uh-oh. look and i said it's good news so just have a seat you're gonna be fine <laughs> and then we told him and obviously it's, it's much more fun delivering that kind of message than mm-hmm. telling him we decided to send you back to junior um, but I think what we tried to stress was <clears throat> there's this is a long season, and um, the, the the most challenging part for young players in the NHL is the is the grind of the season and the schedule. And it 
I think people overlook that a lot of times because even though they play a lot of games in June, they play 70 games, for the most part, it's like it's a weekend league. And they may have some, some week day games, uh, but your schedule is still a lot easier. You, you know, you, you basically play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and if you, you, you would never do what we do here, where you have a game on a Monday, travel to the next city, play Tuesday, day off, go to another city to play Thursday, and then you have Saturday, Sunday, like that, that type of schedule never, and, and it just never ends. So just when a, a young player's kind of feeling like, oh, we got through, we had a light week, then you start a stretch of seven games in 12 days, and you've got travel, different time zones, and it's it's relentless it never lets up and i think that the thing we try to tell kirby is we're going to we're going to manage your season and it's our job to make sure that you continue to do the things you need to do so there may be times when you, you don't play every game and we haven't preordained it he might play every game he might not we're going to base it on how he's playing how he's feeling he's got the added challenge of trying to get stronger and um, it's as Adam knows. It's hard, really, during the season. You're just trying to maintain your fitness level. Your summer is where you make all your advances and your strength. And but we want Kirby to continue to get stronger. So he's going to have to do um, a lot of weight training more than the typical player would do in season, uh, because that's part of what he needs as a young player. So we're going to put a lot on his plate, and that means we're going to have to manage his his workload. So. It, it's physically taxing, but it's more mentally taxing. The, the season is really tough. You know, usually it's sometime in January or February when the guys just, they look at the calendar and they're like, I can't believe we've got 35 <laughs> more games left. Like, wow, I'm tired already. Um, that's just the way it is, and you have to get through it. And I think the players that have been in the league a long time, you know, they they know the routine. They know the there's a rhythm to the season. And as a young player, you don't know any of that. You're trying to be great every night. You try to have your energy. It just doesn't happen, though. We talked about building the roster. We've talked, you know, kind of the day-to-day conversations that you have with the coaching staff. But we're sitting here. It's late November. What is your day-to-day job to give someone an idea of kind of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Because you don't want to maybe pull the quick trigger too quick on something you don't want to necessarily start signing guys for next year because you're so early in the season what is your mindset right now at kind of this point of the season where the building part of it's done you're not quite there for next season yet what does your job kind of entail right now well it it's 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 a varied schedule and i think in the beginning of the season so September through the end of October, you, you spend most all your time with your team, uh, the Blackhawks, uh, watching them, being around the coaches, being around the players, assessing what you're good at, what you need to work on. And then once you turn into this time, there's a lot of other stuff we have to focus on. So like last week I was in Denver, I got to spend some time with Ian Mitchell. Uh, like there's all these other things that are on our plate, uh, spending time in Rockford. We've got our amateur scout meetings coming up uh, next week. Um and, you know, my job is to keep in touch with all of our people in the, f- in the field. So the challenge is all the heads of the pro scouting, amateur scouting, player development, um, they don't live in Chicago. They're out doing their jobs. So what I have to do is stay in touch with them and find out, because there's lots of things that come up between 
the beginning of the season and now with some of your prospects, some things are going well for them, some things aren't, whether they're having injuries or not playing as much as they'd like. You're talking to agents. Um, so right now is when I'm trying to balance how much time I dedicate just to the Blackhawks to making sure that you know the, the Rockford team gets enough attention and you know they're close by. So luckily I've been able to see them play as well. And if I can't see them in person, I get to watch watch them play. So you got to have your pulse on which players down there are playing well in the event that we run into injuries. You know, so far we've been pretty fortunate. Knock on wood, we've only had a couple guys here. But you look around the league and some teams are missing six and seven players. So that could hit us. And at that point, you need to know which players in Rockford would be able to help. So, you know, we've got the World Junior coming up in about a month from now, uh, which is a big scouting event. Um, so there's a lot of things that start to happen. But in the beginning of the year, I think you have to spend a lot of time with your team. Uh, you're trying to assess if you have any weaknesses or if you need to make any transactions or potential trades or waiver pickups. So you have to be pretty tuned into your team. Uh, and I feel like I've, I've got a really good handle on where we're at. I've spent a lot of time with our coaches. And now, you know, you kind of venture off and sometimes you'll go do some scouting trips and uh, whether it's prospects we've drafted already or, you know, players for the upcoming draft, I think that's where my attention goes right around now. Can I take you a little bit about 180 here? When you aren't playing as well as you want or you're sitting down in the last in the conference or second to last in the conference, and how do you remain patient? Because I'm sure I know you hear some of the noise, fire this guy, fire that guy, everybody goes, right? How do you remain patient knowing that or believing what you put together will make this turnaround that you guys made? Well, it's a long season. I just was referencing that. I think you try not to make too many snap decisions because things have a tendency of changing over time. And I, I, I really believe that, that you're never as bad as it seems when you're struggling and you're not as good as it seems when you're winning. Usually somewhere in the middle is, is the reality of it. So you've got to filter out the noise. And um, this league is so close. You look at teams that were, well, Dallas is a great example. Right? They had a terrible start. Um, you know, they were they were the bottom of the division. They've won, I don't even know what it is, 11 or 12, 11 out of 12, something like that. So um, you, you got to stay near the pack. Um, and you need, during the season at some point, you have to go on a couple winning streaks. Um, and you got to avoid a long losing streak. But if you can... If you can keep your team in the mix, um, you're going to be right. That's what our league is right now. It's it's different than it was even a couple of years ago. There's so many teams clustered, you know, within a couple of games of 500. Um, you know, we're we're at the 20 to 25 game mark, and you've got a, a handful of teams that have pulled ahead that have uh, they're way above 500, and you've maybe got a couple that are significantly below. But you know. 80% of the league is within a few games of 500 above or below. So that's really where you got to stay in that pack. And then you've got to um, – so when things aren't going well, you just got to look at how can we get ourselves back to the pack. And usually it means you got to you got to go on some kind of a winning streak uh, and you got to avoid the, the long losing streaks. And even the best teams are going to go through stretches where they have a hard time. That's the way our sport is. So um, – you can't win 10 games in one night and you can't lose 10 games in one night. You, you know, you just got to focus on and do your best to stay in the moment. It's tough when everyone else seems to be on fire and you're trying to calm them down. Um, but that's the nature of our sport right now. 
Is there a guy on this roster this year that surprised you coming to start this year? You can't say Kane because he surprises us every year. How does he keep doing this? And you can't say the goalies. Uh, is there another guy that's, that's surprised you and been like, wow, this guy's really uh, – he's having a heck of a year and maybe fans wouldn't have known his name or wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought he'd um, – Well, a couple guys come to mind. He hasn't played a lot because he was injured, but I think Murph yeah. – uh, you, you know, we, we noticed the difference. He was playing well. I referenced that he missed the first game in Europe, and then he came back, and we we, we played pretty well for mm-hmm. four or five games there. And then we didn't get a lot of wins, but he was playing well. And then he goes out, and we had some tough times. And I think we started playing better before he came back, and then we added him to the lineup. I think you realize how effective he is. Yep. Um, it's kind of stabilizing force back there. Uh, the other one probably would be you know Carpenter. I, I, th- I don't know if people had a lot of... Um, familiarity with mm-hmm. him and he's not a flashy player uh but i think he's been an important player for us if you look at our penalty kills much improved and i think he plays not all all of him but i think you know there's a handful of guys we really use just four forwards maybe five if yep. you count smith but you know it's camp and tave sod and carpenter they do the lion's share of the work and you know ryan as a righty takes all the draws on that side and um you know he's been about 50 percent for the year on the face-offs and uh, he's a, a little bit under the radar guy, but I think he's a pretty honest player, um, simplistic player, but he's the kind of guy that winning teams have because he, he does a lot of the dirty work. Yep, I said, I think I've told you guys, he's like a coach's dream, I thought, because he's just a, a hardworking, he does everything perfectly, um, and he does a good job on the penalty kill too. Mm-hmm. Well, Stan, we don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, I did want to get your thoughts. There have been a trio of trades that we've, You've made uh, over the first two months of the season, not a ton really affecting the NHL roster. Some some depth moves, getting some guys in Rockford. Mm-hmm. Uh, just walk us through maybe the mindset and um, why you felt the need to to make some of those moves and how you think it improved the team. Well, uh, you, look, you're right. They weren't really flashy trades, so to speak. But um, sometimes it's a matter of uh, playing to your strengths in the in the Rockford and looking at areas where you want to fill in and if you have an abundance of one player um looking back you know we've always liked ian mccaution going back a couple years um you know bigger guy um from wisconsin that's right wisconsin boy (laughs) knew that was Um, coming there you go Uh, you gotta always look out for the guys right adam (laughs) yeah um but we liked his game even go back to when he was in junior and um you know he he brings uh some a little bit of a presence on the back end, a bigger kid. Um, you know, we had a lot of forwards, and it was to the point where um, somebody was sitting out a lot. And, you know, Auntie, uh, or, I'm sorry, Alexi Sarala, Auntie's brother, we drafted last year. But Alexi, um, you know, he, he looked pretty good in training camp, and uh, he started the year a little bit slow. He's an offensive player. Um, but we had some other guys that we wanted to give some ice time to. So, you know, looking back on it, I think um, sometimes those moves are necessary to to fill out your depth chart. And, um, you know, so for that reason, those are the types of moves that you make. We haven't really made, and it was about a year ago this time, we made the, the deal for Dylan Strom and Perlini. Um, and we can touch on the Perlini trade in a minute. But I think we haven't really touched that, the NHL-type trades. Uh, we've been focused more... Um, on on building some of our evening out our prospects, so to speak. So, um, you know, Brendan Perlini was the one of the other trades we made, and 
you know, he he didn't do anything wrong. People have asked me like, what what was what was the problem with him? It wasn't really a problem at all. I think the emergence of Kubalik and Nylander probably made uh, just the amount of ice time that we could give. And Brendan wasn't playing here, and it wasn't because he was struggling. It, these other guys had pretty good camps, and they they showed that they could help the team. So when you're a, in a situation like that, you try to see how can you improve your team. And we and we started talking to Detroit. Um, and you know they were looking for someone like that. They weren't scoring much, and they felt he might be able to give them some offense. So um, we had a familiarity with Alec Regula from a year ago when Adam Boquist was in London, and we went to watch Adam play quite a bit. I saw him play a number of games, and so did a lot of our development staff. And you, you, it was hard to, to miss Alec. He's a big kid, um, you know, six foot four. Uh, he's got pretty good skill level, and. You know, we always were interested in him going back to last season, and you know, you have some discussions. And at first, you know, he wasn't available, so you kind of move on. And then they called back, and they were interested in making that move. So he's not going to help our team this year, but I, I think he's got a pretty bright future. He's having a great start to his season. He's captain in London, and you know, those are the types of uh, deals that take a little bit longer to materialize and for the fans to know him, but. I think you're going to be impressed when you see his skill set. He, he's got some offense to his game. He's probably more of a defensive defenseman um, as a pro, but he's got over a point a game in junior, um, and he's certainly got the leadership qualities. So that's something we're excited about. Stan, thank you for uh, taking some time and joining us once again. Always a pleasure having you on and getting your insight and all of us and peppering the best you with dress questions. GM always in <laughs> of hockey. course, it's always. not even a competition. <laughs> Well, Mark Bergevin's tough to beat. He's pretty so. good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You you got the muted ties. He wears the loud ties. <laughs> he does. You keep it a little, little classier. A little subtle. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Dan. We appreciate it. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. For Adam Burrish and Chris Cook, I'm Carter Baum. Thank you for joining us on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs> <laughs>